Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. Well, we went through the announcements earlier, and for those of you that are coming with us online today, we welcome you. This is our 10 o'clock service for Whitestone Christian Fellowship on Sunday, August the 29th. There's just so much in this chapter 18 of Matthew that we really don't want to miss any of it. So we might be taking our time through it. Uh, I entitled it Order in the Church. Our reading this morning is going to be in Luke chapter 6, verses 36 to 38. And then we'll continue with Matthew 18 afterwards from verse 15, hopefully through 35. I entitled it Order in the Church because there was so much disorder. There was so much confusion and hypocrisy during the time that Jesus was on the earth in the Jewish religion, the faith. And it's a shame because they had everything all laid out for them, including the prophecies of Messiah, including the order in which things were to take place. Did we drop out again? Testing, one, two. Yes, we've got it. Okay. Now I guess we're ready. This is two weeks in a row, so pray for our electronics that you're here in the building. Our reading, again, uh, is from... Luke chapter 6, verses 36 to 38. Join me as we read. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and it shall be forgiven you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you met, with all it shall be measured to you again. It speaks of generosity, supplying for other people's needs and all the rest. But, you know, it also speaks of mercy and grace and forgiveness. And that's important because that's the basis of Jesus' ministry, supplying all that we have for all that we need. This is a bit of a rehash from these three verses here are a bit of a rehash from Matthew early early in in the book. Matthew 7 speaks of judging others that we shouldn't judge lest we be judged. 
It speaks of not condemning, but it also speaks of discerning the spirits of others, whether they be judgmental, whether they be forgiving, whether they be merciless. All of those work towards what we perceive is going to be our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, like a box of cereal. You know, when you pick it up in the store and it's been sitting on the shelf for a week, it's half full because it has settled and there's room for more. Coming right out of the, the mill, mill factory, those are, those are filled right to the brim. But there's a lot of air between the flakes. If you want to consider yourself a flake, that's okay. But the idea is <clears throat> that during the transportation, during its trip, during its walk to your doorstep and to your cupboard, it gets pressed down, shaken. The air is expelled to the top of the package. And there's room for more. <clears throat> That's the picture that this gives. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. You don't want to pay for a lot of air. Air is all around us. We don't have to pay for it. But what this, what this box is, is a box of forgiveness, a box of grace, and a box of mercy. And as you give it out, others will give it back to you. They'll be merciful. They'll be gracious. They'll be forgiving towards you. Even as we read last week, offenses will come. Offenses will come. We offend people, hopefully not as often as we used to, but offenses come. And as we look, and, and we look at this, uh, this chapter here of Matthew chapter 18, we left off uh, about verse 15 last week. And he's been talking about offending these little ones, not only little children, but young Christians as well, new believers. And he gives a warning and says it would be better that if you offended one, if it would be better that you hung a millstone around your neck and threw yourself into the sea. That's how cherished God sees his little ones. The little ones, like down in our nursery area, or the young ones, young in faith, that are really just learning about biblical Christianity. It's important for us to see that as young ones, and truly, I can tell you after 35 years or longer, <laughs> as a Christian, I'm still learning. And so God sees us all as babes in Christ. He's, all got, he's got us all on a learning curve, and he's asking us to step up and be more like him. 
when there's, when there's disorder in a faith, it's a confusing faith. When they read one thing out of the scripture texts and then do another, it's confusing. It's hypocrisy. It's exactly what the Jews, the Jewish leaders were doing in the days of Jesus. Do as I do, I'm sorry, do as I say, don't do as I do. And that's just the, the war that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. We're all subject to it. But as Jesus is teaching about these little ones, he says in verse 14, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's not the will of the Father. But we know that there are teachings, there are doctrines out there that could crush a young believer. So it behooves us, adults, to make sure that what we're doing is the will of the Lord. He, he starts out in verse 15 here, and he says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Now, first of all, we need to identify who's our brother. Basically, according to the Good Samaritan, it's anybody who crosses our path that is on the same path through life that we're on. So if, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, just one-on-one. -on -one. If there's a problem in a relationship, the first step to take is to go talk to them. If it's truly a brother, a brother in faith, a brother in your family, or a sister. If they've offended you, it says go and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Don't include everybody else, because this is between you and them. And he's telling us this because it is the Christian's duty to take that first step towards reconciliation because Christ has reconciled us to his Father to our heavenly family. So go talk to him, just the two of you. And if he shall hear you, thou hast gained thy brother. If he acknowledges his fault, if he acknowledges that he hurt you in some way, be it financially, emotionally, familially, or physically, So many times we're not aware of how we interact with people. We try to interact with everybody the same, but sometimes people are more sensitive than other people. And it's easy to hurt those sensitive ones. So it, it really is a job of discerning of spirit so that we know who's sensitive and who's not. Who might be able to take something a little bit better than someone who is so tender-hearted that they worry about everything. 
But if your brother trespasses against thee, go tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, acknowledge that he hurt you, and ask your forgiveness, then you've gained your brother. You revealed a little more of your tender heart to this other person who hurt you. But if he will not hear thee, if he blows you off, if he tells you, oh, toughen up, that's a problem. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. You see, you don't give up. You don't want to give up that tender heart that you have. Yes, it can be problematic sometimes, but it's important that others recognize what a tender heart that the Lord Jesus Christ has towards us. He's not willing that any of these little ones should perish. He doesn't want any one of us crushed. But sometimes the words of others can crush us and hurt us. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee two, one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. You're helping the accountability. First, it's an accountability between two friends or two family members or two members of the church or strangers even. There is a civility that we are supposed to hold, uphold in our society and in our culture. And if he ne shall neglect to hear them, those witnesses. Now here's a big step. It says take it to the church. Take it to the church. Tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican, an enemy of the cross. And what is an enemy of the cross other than someone that needs to be evangelized? It's, it's a hard task. But we are to pray. We are to pray always about all things. And we are to pray continually. Now, as I said a minute ago, it's the responsibility of the believer to take those first steps towards reconciliation. And we talked about it as we looked at Matthew 5 earlier on in the book. And there is a corresponding passage that we need to pay attention to. 
If it's the Christian's duty to expose a wrong, then it's a Christian's duty to acknowledge a wrong that they have done. In verse 22 of Matthew 5, it says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoso shall say unto his brother, Raka, which means empty-headed or senseless, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, in the process of your doing worship, as you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. It's the believer's responsibility to take those first steps towards reconciliation. As the thought appears to you or becomes apparent to you that you might have hurt somebody, it's up to you to go apologize before you get into the church. It's up to you to make amends and reconcile that relationship. The responsibility is on believers because of Jesus' work of reconciliation on the cross for our, on our behalf, for our benefit. And we need to be reminded that if the, if the apology is not accepted, if they turn around and they say, you're dead to me, that's a heathen man and a, and a publican, someone who needs to be evangelized, who needs to be loved into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's hard to, it's hard to do that. Sometimes it seems impossible to reconcile a relationship that you're at odds with and you know that other person is at odds with you. It takes prayer. It takes a willingness to humble ourselves and to do that. A number of years ago, we lived in a neighborhood and there was a Jewish couple across from us. They were both death camp survivors. They had had a hard life. But they didn't marry until after the death camps were, were opened up. And he was a, the husband was a pushy little guy. The wife was a real sweetheart. But the husband was very pushy and very aggressive. And one day I had had a bad day and he was over in my yard and I asked him to leave and go home. And he looked at me with big sad eyes, like why, what, what did I do? And he turned away quietly and just walked home. But I thought, oh, good. It didn't go further than that. And he left. But then the Lord convicted me of what I did. 
I kicked him out of my yard. He was over for conversation. He was over to share ideas, to share his own thoughts and his own experiences. And I shut him down and tossed him off my property. So later in the day, I thought to myself, okay, the next time I see Dave outside, I'm going to go over and I'm going to apologize. And it was about four days before I saw him. And this was being reaffirmed in my own heart every day, every one of those four days before I saw him. But when I finally caught him outside, I went over to his house, over to his yard. And I apologized for kicking him out of my yard. I apologized for cutting off fellowship. And he did the most beautiful thing. Because apologies and forgiveness go hand in hand. And he looked at me and he said, you know, he said, I know I'm a little pushy sometimes. I'm sorry if I offended you. You know, an apology can go a long way towards reconciling a relationship. In this case, we had to live across from each other. But in the other case, I had forgotten the hardships he had been through. Living for years in one of Adolf Hitler's death camps. Being deprived of food and water and being subjected to hard, hard work. Talking wasn't allowed except in whispers. And here he is in America, and I put an end to conversation. I was sincerely blown away when he said, I know, he said, I, I probably said something I shouldn't. So go to your brother, one-on-one, -on -one, offer those words of reconciliation, an apology, forgiveness, whatever it may be, whatever is needed. It's humbling, yes, but it's godly. It is the godly thing to do. In verse 18, it says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And why is that? Verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, doing my will, performing and putting, putting the teachings of Scripture into action, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, and that, dear friends, is a church. That's a church. Now, you can't do this unless there's prayer. 
You can't do this when you have an agenda that's not shared by the other person or the other two. Or God forbid there's three agendas. Humbling as it is, it takes prayer to be able to do this. So Peter has been listening to this in verse 21. He's, he's thinking about forgiveness. He's thinking about the grace and mercy that God has given to all of us. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? As if there's ever an end to forgiveness. There's no end to God's forgiveness. And we declare, oh, I want to be like you, Jesus. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Now, this is Peter. Who's his brother? The apostle Andrew. Another one of Jesus' apostles perfectly and appropriately handpicked by Jesus to take the gospel to the word, to the world. So how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. You see, forgiveness is not a matter of numbers. It's not a math problem. It's a matter of the spirit of the person. If he sins against you and you haven't brought it his, to his attention one-on-one -on -one, that you've been offended, you've been sinned against, you've been hurt, well, then that person's going to keep doing it. But Jesus says, not seven times. If he has sinned against you seven times, then you have not approached him to reconcile the problem. I say until 70 times seven. It's not a matter of, it's not a matter of math. It's a matter of the spirit of the person. Your, per, your person, your spirit, and the other person's spirit. Are they willing to hear? Are they willing to listen? The other side of this teaching is until 70 times 7, there's, there's a reference to the book of Daniel. And the 70 years given to Israel. The 70 times 7 years given to Israel to reconcile their relationship with God. And at the end of that 70 times 7 is the second coming of the Lord. 
So how long do I have to forgive my brother if he sins against me? Until the Lord comes back. That's our duty. That's, that's God's directive to us. It doesn't matter how many times he offends us. We're to forgive him until the Lord comes back. In Matthew's reference to the Lord's Prayer, the hour, that wonderful Our Father that has been taught as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, He says, after this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But let's look at verse 12 again. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's this little word in here, as. It's a comparative word. Forgive us our debts to the same degree that we forgive our debtors. That's what that means. It's summed up in that little word, as. Oh no, Lord, I want you to forgive me my debts more than I forgive other people. That's not what the Lord is teaching. That is not his character. He says, give and it shall be given unto you, shaken down a full measure and overflowing. And at the end of that prayer, after he says amen in verse 13, verse 14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That puts a little weight behind it all of a sudden. Is that offense that somebody made against you so difficult? Is that offense something that we can't handle? Is that offense so severe that it cannot be forgiven by God? And if by God, then God says it should be forgiven by us as well. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive yours. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't want that to happen. Not to me, not to any of us. This is a, this is a difficult 
passage to go through. As I said when we started, Matthew 18 is just full of all kinds of things. And the problem is Jesus is teaching this because that is what it was like in Judaism in that first century. But it's also what it's like in Christianity, in many parts of Christianity today, this morning. It's incredible that we find ourselves having to be retaught the word when we know what God asks us and expects us to do. In verse 11, I'm sorry, we're in Matthew 18 again. We're talking about Peter offering forgiveness 70 times 7, and that is not 490. It is until the Lord comes home and Lord, Lord returns. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, still speaking with Peter. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents, a sizable amount of money. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant fell down. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt, the whole debt. The whole 10,000 talents forgiven, gone, because the servant asked him for patience that he would repay. He was moved with compassion. He loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, a tenth of what, he, of what the first servant owed the master. He went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. 
Shouldst thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Wow. If we don't forgive, God turns us over to the tormentors. If we don't forgive others as God has forgiven us, we may as well be bound for hell because we have rejected the Lord's example, we have rejected his teaching, we have rejected his word because this is the, this is the word that is alive and went to the cross for our sake. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. That's a tough pill to swallow. If someone comes from an abusive home, can you imagine how humbling this is? If someone comes from a well-to-do home, can you imagine the trifling little offenses that they have taken and yet they don't forgive? I want to be a forgiving person. But in order to be a forgiving person, I have to forgive. I have to exemplify that as Jesus exemplified it for us. He gave us the example. He walked it to the cross. When Jesus said earlier, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. But before we take up our cross, we must deny self. He said, deny thyself, take up your cross and follow me. And where was Jesus going when he took his cross up? Weighted down by the sins of the whole world. Deny self. Forgive others. Take up your cross. What does that cross represent? It re represents all the sin done by you and done to you. Take it up. Carry it. Quite literally, put it behind you and move forward, as Paul says, to the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Put it behind you. Don't let it block your forward movement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Paul writes, pray for those that despitefully abuse you. Forgive them. And you know what? You can't stay angry with someone that you're praying for. It's impossible. 
If you're truly praying for them on a regular basis, you can't stay angry with them. You're praying for somebody that builds the love and the compassion and the empathy in you to understand their heart. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know that that works. You can't stay upset. You can't stay angry. You can't be miffed at somebody you're praying for. Because they need the prayers, and the prayers need to be said. This law of forgiveness is all about grace and mercy. So give it out, and it'll be given to you again. Press down, good measure. If you want mercy, then you have to be merciful. If you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. If you want to be generous, then be willing to take or receive from other people. Or if you want other people to be generous, then you be generous as well. You plant a seed, and that seed will grow. Whatever kind of a seed it is, that's what you'll get. If you sow to anger, it will grow to more anger. If you sow to love, it will grow to more love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message today. Short as it may be, Lord, we are reminded continually that offenses do come. And we also acknowledge that there is an apostolic authority whenever there are two people praying together in the name of Jesus. We also acknowledge that you're the only one that reconciles us to your Father. And you're the only one that can strengthen us to reconcile us to our brothers and sisters as well. We thank you for this teaching. We thank you for the humbling that we receive. And Lord, we ask that you bless each and every one of us this week. If there's something that we need to say to apologize to someone else, Lord, strengthen us to do so. If there's someone we need to speak with one-on-one -on -one because we've been hurt by them, Lord, have them cross our path. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your desire to make us better people by following your steps. All glory and power and honor belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that they may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Be merciful. Be generous. And take those opportunities that the Lord provides every time in a step of faith. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. 
Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.